0: Today, we want to kind of look at this idea of less is more. Uh, Derek Thompson is a senior economic writer for a a company called The Atlantic. Uh, I think they used to be a magazine, now they're online, Uh, and one of the things that he wrote about one time was about how luxury items in the United States uh, has become necessities. We've done a really good job in our country of taking luxuries and making them necessities. Uh, and his example was, in uh, 1900, uh, one out of 10 families had electricity or a stove. Only one out of 10 in the 1900. In 1915, only one out of 10 families had a v- car, a vehicle. Uh, in 1930, only one out of 10 families had clothes, a clothes washer or a fridge. All right, in 1945, uh, only one out of 10 families had air conditioning or a clothes dryer. In 1960, only 1 out of 10 families had colored TV uh, or a a dishwasher. Uh, In 1975, only 1 out of 10 families had a microwave. Uh, In 1990, only 1 out of 10 families had a cell phone or Internet access. But when we look at today, 90% of families have all of these luxuries, all, uh, all of them combined. Uh, and so we've gone a long ways, okay? It makes life easier a lot of times, okay? Uh, I, I love the dishwasher, right? You just put your dirty dishes in and poof, all right? They're clean. <laughs> and you don't have to spend the long time scrubbing them. Uh, in my family, when you have uh, five kids plus the parents, that's a lifesaver, all right? Uh, clothes dryer, you know? How many would like to go back to the days where you pulled out your bucket and you scrubbed it and all that stuff? Only Thomas, because that's Thomas. <laughs> no, clothes washers are amazing. All these things are, are amazing, and it makes life better. But the question is, is it ever enough? I mean, that's the, that's the difficult question. Okay? Uh, all of these luxuries, are they now necessities in life? And more and more, it seems that is the case. And and more and more, as they bring out all these new gadgets and all these new things, it's never enough to have just what you have. Uh, our society suffers from something sociologists call FOMO. All right? It's the fear of missing out. All right? and, and with the advent of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, this FOMO, this fear of missing out, uh, is just... It increases, and, and there's been whole studies about how all this anxiety people have as they're watching family and friends post things about what they're doing and what they've got, what they uh, have received and, and bought, and they just want to be a part of it in some way, all right? They, they have stress when they see someone posting about their 3,000-square-foot house with three, uh, c- uh, an attached three-car garage, okay? People are like, yes, I want that, all right? uh, or uh, they see their friends are going to go ski in Colorado for the three-day weekend. They want to be a part of that, and so they have this stress and anxiety, and what ends up happening is they go to great lengths not to miss out. All right? They go to great lengths buying things even when they don't have the money to be a part of it. All right? We desire more. Right, our 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 society is around this. Our commercials are based on this idea that you need something that's brand new and you need something that's better than what you currently have. All right, my favorite commercial this uh, holiday season was the Chevy commercials. All right, where. Uh, they have two people meeting at, two neighbors meeting at the driveway, and one of them's like coming back from Black Friday shopping, and they're tired and they're exhausted, and maybe they have a black eye, and they're talking to their neighbor, and they said, The neighbor's like, So did you have fun shopping? And the shopper goes, Yes, I've saved hundreds of dollars. And what does the neighbor say? He said, Oh, yeah, I got lots of sleep, and I saved thousands of dollars all right, on my new car. All right, and the, and the, the, the idea was why. Uh, why go Black Friday shopping? Because you could save thousands of dollars on a new car. All right? You can save more money buying a new car than you can going shopping. It's newer, it's better than what all that is. Uh, cell phone companies now. All right? The cell phone companies with come with, uh, they actually charge you more to have your own cell phone, to own it. They would rather you be on an installment plan where you get a new cell phone every two years than you actually owning your cell phone because we're in this society where newer and better is what you need. And so that's just just where they've gone to, and, and this is where the cell phone company has chosen to do. And there's times, you know, there's times that I struggle with FOMO personally. You know, there are a lot of cool things out there. right, they have these watches that that are called smart watches, and they do everything your phone does. All right, and you can uh, just, your phone buzzes, there's a text message. Well, I can read my text message off my watch. How awesome is that? All right, there's these uh, cool little light bulbs, all right, that you can plug into your light, and you can connect to your Internet, and you can literally turn them on and off from your phone anywhere in the world, as long as you have Internet access. All right? And so, like, if I'm on vacation, that'd be cool, right? We, we, we used to have these timers, right, that, that the lights would come on and then go off so that people wouldn't break into your house. Well, now you can just do it from your phone, on, off, on, off. And they change colors. That, you can have them blue. You can have them – there are a lot of cool things out there, all right? And, and it's not bad to have them, all right? I'm not saying that. If you have them, I want to come to your house – all right, because I just want to see how it works, all right, and 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 that's just how it is. It's not bad to have them, but I know for me, <laughs> I don't necessarily need it, right? My wife would kill me if I ever bought one, <laughs> so they're expensive, too, so on top of that, uh, but that's just, I mean, I struggle with this sometimes, especially as these new new toys come out. Uh, they're just toys for big boys, I think, so, all right, and so, so my question as we're looking at this, looking at this uh, Fear of missing out, looking at this desire for more and more of what we uh, really don't always need, or we really what we can't always pay for. What is the solution to that? Right, what is the solution to to living a godly life in the midst of this consumerism that we find in our world? And so, I want to kind of look at that today. I think. The Bible gives us an answer to that. I think the Bible talks a little bit about this, all right, not necessarily to the extreme that we've gone in our society, uh, but it does talk about this desire for more, and so we're going to be in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4 today, and so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up to Ecclesiastes 4. Ecclesiastes is found about the middle of the Bible, if you you need help with that, it's after Psalm and Proverbs, all right, and so uh, Psalms is usually you can open up your middle of your Bible, and that's Psalms. All right, and so Ecclesiastes, uh, it's not really one that we always read, uh, but it is a fantastic book. It is uh, written by Solomon, uh, who is often considered the wisest man to ever live. Uh, And and the entire book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is trying to uh, find fulfillments, all right, find happiness in life. All right, and so he, he will try this in a number of different ways. He'll try it through wealth. He'll try it through uh, uh, pleasure. Uh, he'll try it through all kinds of different things until he finally gets to, at the very end of the book, n- almost the last verse, he says, ultimately, fulfillment is found in fearing God and obeying his commandments. All right, so that's that's the summary of, of Ecclesiastes. Uh, how do we find fulfillment? It's in fearing God. And so um, what we want to look at in, in chapter 4 is this uh, idea of 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 working and toiling and of, of wanting more. And so this is why he says, uh, starting in verse 4. It's hard to read without that light, so. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Verse 5, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. All right, and so what, what he's going to be talking about here in chapter 4 and what we're going to do, uh, look a little bit in chapter 5 about is this idea of toiling, all right? The Hebrews, they had uh, a number of different words for work, all right? And, and depending on, on which word it was, it, it kind of changed the meaning. And so the word that's used here is is the focus is on the drudgery that work often causes, all right? Uh, it is... Not on the nobility of labor, it's on the grievous and unfulfillingness that sometimes work has. All right? and, and we've had jobs like that, right? All right? I've held jobs that that's what they were. They were a job. All right? and, and it was hard to get through the day because I did not enjoy it, okay, and so that's, that's kind of what it is, and so he says, he's talking about this idea of toiling, and he gives two reasons, he's going to give two reasons why people toil, why they drudge through work, all right, one of the reasons is here, uh, and it says that it is out of envy of what others have, all right, we, and I think that's what this FOMO is all about, right, this fear of missing out is because we're envious that someone else, has this cool little toy, all right? We're envious that this other person's able to take that vacation, all right? And so so out of that envy of what they have, out of the jealousy uh, that they are able to do something that I'm not, all right, we toil t- in order to be able to do what they're doing, all right? It leads us to working harder to have what someone else has, all right? These luxury items, all right, that, that, that we have Counted as normal, all right. They are just that. They are luxury items, all right. And because other people have it, we want to have it as well, all right. Our cell phones, all right. Our our cable, all right. Our internet. Right? These are all items that we are willing to pay and and toil to, in order to have. We'll pay the high prices that often is associated with them, whether or not we can pay it at times. Right? We will do whatever we can to, to have them so that we don't miss out on what other people have. Right? We oftentimes want the same standards, if not better, of living than our parents had. Right? And especially in my generation, uh, we come out of college and we expect to have exactly the same thing that our parents have. Right? But we oftentimes forget that our parents worked for numbers of years in order to get to where they're at, all right? And, and that's what we often forget, okay? It, because we often, when we're remembering, oh, yeah, my parents lived like this, that's because we were in high school, all right? But what about the 20 years before that when they didn't have nearly everything? You know, my parents, they did not always have satellite TV. And I remember a time, like especially in second grade, watching uh, the the March Madness basketball with my dad on this little bitty TV uh, with the fuzzy antennas, and having to pull it right, and we couldn't move around too much because then uh, the, the the signal would go all wonky. All right, and and I remember that. All right, that was in second grade. We didn't always have satellite TV. I remember when they bought it, and they had the big dish, you know, not the not the little ones that are, that are fit on the roof, you know, the big ones that you had to into your <laughs> into your yard and took up half your yard space right all right they i remember them installing that all right they didn't always have this and because uh, we want this same standard we often are willing to give up a lot of other things like retirement money setting aside things for in the future because we want what we want and we want it now and Solomon's response to that idea uh, of toiling out of envy because someone else has something we don't is to give us an idiom, idiom all right? The idiom uh, there was at the chapter 5, fools fold their hands and it leads to ruin, all right? It's, it's talking about a foolish people, and, and there's a lot of different words for foolish people, but in this case, it's, it's the idea of someone who's not making a wise choice. And he says people that cannot make wise choices those foolish people, uh, they fold their hands, and th- this is a Hebrew way of saying that they love themselves, all right? They're focused about themselves, and when we toil out of envy for other people, what we really are doing is we are all focused on us and no one else, all right? We're, we're focused on, on what we can get for ourselves and not what we can hel- how we can help other people, all right, and so that's that's this idea, all right, of folding hands, and, and and ultimately, he says, it leads to ruin. You devour yourself. When you so become so in focus, you end up destroying every other relationship that you can have, and and it just leads to a bad life, is what Solomon says. This wise guy who probably tried it out, all right? All right, in verse 6, uh, he'll say this, and I put it on the screen, because I think it's it's the central focus of pretty much this entire passage. Okay, he says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. All right. this, this, I think, is the summary of this entire sermon. If you, if you, we could stop after this one, okay, but we're not going to. But we could if we wanted to. All right, this, if, you, if you walk away from today, this is the one thing I want you to hear. What Solomon is saying in a nutshell is that sometimes, many times, having less is having more. I better to have one handful of something and have tranquility. And he says tranquility here, it's the idea of not having to do stuff. It's the idea of having peace, being in just able to rely. It's that it's that moment you get home from work and you just sit in your chair and you breathe that sigh of relief. The day is over. Peace. All right. And he says it's better to have one handful of tranquility than to, to have two of the same thing and have to toil over it. All right. It, it's not always easy to have more. All right. Having more often comes with Having to work harder for that more. All right, and so he says it's better to have peace with one thing than to have more and to be chasing after the wind. All right, how many of you have ever chased after the wind? All right, how many of you have ever caught the wind? All right, it's, it's a pointless task. And, and throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon will constantly come back to this idea of chasing after the wind. And he's saying it's meaningless, it's pointless. He says, "You can have two and toil all your life, but it's worthless to do so. Having less is having more. And the reality is is, we don't need all the stuff that we have. Now, we really don't need it. You know we don't need cable. you know we don't. We don't really need internets. Alright? We don't need Netflix. We don't need Hulu. We don't need smartphones. You know, we don't need all of the newer and better things. Don's like, yes, we do. <laughs> we don't need them. And, and really, as human beings, there are some things that we absolutely do need. We need shelter. Alright? We need food. We need security that we're not going to get harmed, but then after that, everything else becomes these luxury items that we don't have to have. All right? and, and sometimes, a lot of times we have them, and we toil after the win for them, because they're expensive. You know? Cell phone bills. man, 100 dollars or more. I mean, unless you're, you have one person on your line, I guess it could be $50, okay? But that's still a lot of money. I mean, cable bills, right? How much do you pay f- to watch TV when it used to be free? <laughs> you know, it's expensive, all right? Having internet, you know, we, 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 we pay like $40 a month for internet, all right? It's expensive to have all of these items, and, and, and they're not necessarily things that we need. And what I want to come to is this. If you find in your life that you're not tithing because you have all of these other bills, then you're not being a good steward. All right? If you're not tithing because you have to pay that new car payment, all right? or you're, you're not tithing because you have to pay for a cell phone, or you're not tithing because you have all these other subscriptions to to Hulu, Netflix, and you're paying them $7 a month or $10 a month or whatever their prices are now, and you find yourself not being able to give to the church, then you're not being a good steward of what God has given you. And maybe in your life, you need to start living with less. Maybe you need to start figuring out ways to survive and not have these things. You know there there have been times in Emily and I's lives where we have made conscious choices to live with less. You know when we first got married, we didn't have a whole lot of money, and so we didn't have internet. You know we didn't have internet till like 2 or 3 years ago. So for 7 years of our life we didn't have internet and we survived. All right? We still don't have cable TV and we are surviving strongly, all right? We didn't have smartphones, and really the only reason we have a smartphone now is because it's really hard to find a a good quality non-smartphone, all right? That's not going to break on you in in two weeks, right? And so we've chosen to go to smartphones because it's a better choice, and it's cheaper in the long run, right? We don't have colored lights that can change and you can open up with your phone because they're expensive, Alright, and and for us, for our family, we choose instead to give towards the church and towards other organizations because that is what we're supposed to do as followers of God. And so, so it's okay. I mean, we, we just bought a house. Right? You know how long we looked for the perfect house? Right? It was like two and a half years. Right? Don was with us for like a year of it. right and before that, we looked at like. 50 houses before we got to him, okay? And and we were looking for the right house at the right price, and and the house that we have is a blessing, and we paid less than we paid for our little house, right? But we had to put a lot of time and effort to make it livable, all right? And that's just one of those things, being able to live with less because it's more in the long run. It brings tranquility and peace in your life, not having to worry about how I'm going to pay this bill or that bill, and so on and so forth. All right, so living with less and trying not to be envious that other people have more than me. That, I think, is the solution. That, I think, is the solution to this FOMO. And, And yes, there are times that I wish I have more. All right. There are, like I said, all those cool little gadgets. Those are things that I would love to have, but we choose not to. All right. So that's one of the things we, we, we said that one of the things that he talks about why people toil is this envy. All right. I see what other people have and I want to have it as well. All right. And his solution to that is, is just be happy with what you have because you can be, have peace with one handful than two. All right, the next thing uh, in in verse 7 and 8, he talks about the uh, second reason uh, that people uh, toil. And he says this, uh, he says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. Uh, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. The second reason that he gives as to why people toil is that they're not content with what they have. And the example he gives is that of a man who had no children, and yet he's working and working and working, and he's never satisfied with what he's gained. Right? He's not content. All right, and he ultimately asked the question, why am I doing all of this? And the answer is, I don't know, but I'm still going to work. All right? It's a meaningless business. And this is really that question that was asked at the beginning. Are luxury items now necessities? And then to follow up on that, is it ever enough? Are we ever satisfied? And I think what we often get when we have this envy and, and discontent for life is this vicious cycle of, of we get to this point where we're never content even as we get these things that we're envious of other people and we're not content with that and we find more people to be envious of and we start chasing after them. And it just constantly becomes this thing that if we, can, if we never learn to be content with what we have, then, then we're going to be toiling. And we'll be asking these questions, why do I not just enjoy what I have? And it's because we have discontentment. Solomon never gives the answer to this, a solution to this. All right? But elsewhere in the Bible we see it. Okay, Philippians 4, uh, Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show. It. And then he says this, I am not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in wants. And he says this, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul says I have lived in need. And when he's writing this, he's writing it from a jail cell where uh, in that time they didn't give you three meals a day and they didn't give you everything that you could possibly want. In uh, that day, you had, you, if you wanted to eat, someone had to bring you food. And so he was relying on someone every day bringing him something to eat. He was in need of what other people could give him. All right? He's lived in that. He's also lived in plenty. I mean, he, he was a prodigy of the Jewish people. People looked at him and said, man, you are going to be somebody someday. I mean, he had a, a job, a tent making that would have paid decent money. All right. And so he's lived with lots. He was a Roman citizen. He's lived with lots and he's lived in this need. And he says, I can be content wherever I am. And the reason he can be content is because of Jesus. He I can be content because Jesus gives me strength. We look at this last verse and we often say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we say that when we're saying, well, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to run a 5K or I want to do all these things. But that's not what it's saying here. It's saying you can live in contentment because Jesus gives you strength to do so. We don't have to live and envious of other people. We don't have to live in discontent of what we don't have. All right, We can be content because Jesus is there. And really, contentment is trusting that God knows what he is doing and that God is going to be there with us no matter what. All right, The author of Hebrews, he says it this way. He says, uh, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, Because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Contentment is trusting that God gave you what He's given you, and He knows that's what you need. And that while other people care about what you have and what you don't have, God doesn't. And He's going to be beside you through thick and thin. All right, that is contentment. And we have to learn that the solution to consumerism, the solution to the fear of missing out, the solution of being envious of what other people have and desiring to toil to have more and more is that we need contentment in our life. Envy and discontentment, I think they're the same, or they're two sides of the same coin. One leads to the other. And when those things are in our lives, we want more and more. But sometimes, living with less is living with more. And we need to learn to be content no matter where we're at. Whether we're in need or whether we're in plenty. And trusting that God knows what he's doing. Now, Solomon, before we we, we end, we want to kind of talk about why these things are bad. We've talked a little bit about the solution to them, but why are they bad? And Solomon gives us some uh, the reasons why they're bad in chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Here's what he says in verse 8. He says, um, If you see the poor oppressed in a district, injustice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things, for one official is eyed, by the higher one and over them both are others still higher the increase from the land is taken by all and the king himself uh, profits from the field all right and so kind of what he says here is is when you are envious and when you are discontent ultimately in society as we get more and more this way we begin to become a society that oppresses their poor all right and and we can kind of see that in america can't we I mean, we can be a society that oppresses the poor to the point that justice and rights are denied of the poor, that are given towards more wealthy people. All right? We, we, we kind of see that sometimes in court cases where this rich person gets off with nothing, right? All right? Why does that happen? Well, because we as a society have become too envious and too uh, discontented with what we have, and, and we end up oppressing those who are poor. All right. In business, we say you do what you need to do to stay on top. All right, even if that is morally wrong. And as a society, we need to stop that. We need to become morally right and choose what is the right thing to do. The second thing that happens when we become envious and, and, and discontent is found in verse ten. He says, "Whoever loves money never has enough." All right. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied their, with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast their eyes on them? All right, he says, ultimately, when we're discontented and we're envious, we never have enough. You know, it's this vicious cycle of, of we finally get what we, we, what we were envious when we were back there, and oh, look, there's more people this way. And even when you're on top, there's still other things that you're envious and discontented with, and, and so it never becomes enough. And as your money increases, so does your costs. You know, Emily and I, we, we make more than what we did seven years ago when we were here, all right? And we have a lot more kids, too. <laughs> and so, our costs have gone up as our income has increased. And so, while we make more, you know, we're at that place where, where we're consuming more as well, all right? So, this is a, a fact of life. Why is it that lottery winners often end up back where they started, It's because they have all this thing, and they think they can just blow it and spend it on whatever. They buy that new car, and they buy that house, and they can't keep the upkeep on it, right? And it's just one of those things that happens uh, as we get more and more money. Ultimately, he says in verse 12 uh, that the sleep of the laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. Again, having less, sometimes is having more. Having less and eating and being able to sleep is better than having more and worrying about to the point where you cannot sleep at night. All right, which is better to live with? All right, less is more. Uh, verse 13 and 15, he says, I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some unfortunate misfortune so that when they have children, there's nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb. And as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they carry, can carry in their hands. Uh, ultimately, when we are envious and discontented, we become people who place our trust in wealth. And that's a bad thing. Alright? And Solomon says it's a bad thing for three different reasons. One, uh, we can become hoarders. Alright? Have you ever watched uh, DuckTales? that little cartoon with uh, uh, all ducks, all right, like uh, uh, Donald Duck-type type characters. Uh, and one of them is named Mr. Scrooge. And the entire s- uh, series, DuckTales, is based around Mr. Scrooge and his three nephews. And Mr. Scrooge has all this money, and he has it in a vault, and he goes swimming in it. okay. Uh, and he, the, the, the opening scene is always him swimming and spitting out gold like it's water. All right, and and that is is hoarding, okay? And, And the entire series is about people trying to steal his wealth and him stopping them, all right? It was a great cartoon as a little kid, I think, not so much as adults. All right, but that hoarding causes your relationships to break down because you're not generous to your family. And you end up being so focused on your money that you forget everything else around you. And he says, that's bad. If you place your trust in wealth and become a hoarder, of your money, you lose other things. He says sometimes you can place your trust in wealth and a misfortune happens, and what happens to your wealth? It's gone. Right, if you have your trust in something that can disappear one day after you have it, what's the point of that? He says doing that will cause you to be a person that cannot give inheritance to your children, which was a sign of being a wise person in that area. So if you can't give it an inheritance... Then you're foolish. And the third thing, they says, if you place your trust in wealth, is that ultimately you can't take it with you. When you die, how much of that wealth gets transferred to heaven? None of it. And so, if your trust is in wealth, it will never save you. All right? Not like God can save you. And so, you cannot. You should not misplace your trust. And wealth. Finally, uh, he says this. This is to close it. Verse sixteen through seventeen. This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. What they and what do they gain? Since they toil for the wind, all their days they eat in darkness, with great frustration, affliction, and anger. He says ultimately, nothing is gained when you're envious and, and discontented, and all you're doing is toiling after the wind, chasing after something you can never truly get. Pointless. he says what ends up happening instead is is that you eat in darkness, all right? You eat before the sun comes up, and you eat after the sun has gone down, and your day is filled with work. You become a workaholic to the point of three different things. You become frustrated that you never have enough. You become afflicted with all kinds of illnesses. You're not as healthy as you used to be, and you're angry at the world and at everyone around you. See, the lack of contentment and envy, it brings harm to you and to people around you. All right, that's what this entire fifth chapter is about. And we need to be godly, wise people who are, are living uh, with less when we need to. All right, if you aren't able to give to the church because you have so many other bills, then maybe something needs to change. Alright, what do you need to cut in your life? What do you need to live less with and have peace, tranquility, alright, rather than having a lot of it and toiling after nothing? Alright, the foolish way is to be in this life of envy and discontentment where all you do are working and working and working, and you're getting nowhere. And I think ultimately the problem is, is that we like to compare ourselves with other people. And I think comparison is, is bad. Alright? Comparison leads to this discontentment. God has given you what he's given you. right? And we need to trust in that. Whatever it is. Whether we have a lot or whether we have a little. And we need to be people that are living to be content and to live with less. Will you pray with me? Father God, there are so many things in this world that are cool. I mean, there are so many things in this world that as we... uh, learn more about that we're make life easier sometimes and and uh, just streamlines a lot of stuff and father uh, when those things come out i pray that we can be content with whatever we have uh, help us to make wisest choices uh, as we uh, look at items whether or not we need them or not uh, whether or not uh, we can afford them and father i just pray that that no matter what it is, whether it's a luxury item or a necessity, that we are choosing to live with peace and not to toil out of envy or discontentments, but that we're choosing to, to honor you uh, with whatever you've given us. I ask these things in your name. Amen.